West Town Mall, Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, West Town Mall. That was the middle school hangout. That's where I liked to hang out, West Town Mall, when I was in middle school. And there was this one store that opened in West Town Mall when I was in middle school. I think it was, the name was like the Inspiration Store or something like that. And it, it really sold these, these pictures that had landscapes or animals on it or people doing extraordinary things. And they would have this major heading and then some proverbial quote underneath. Maybe you've seen these pictures. Uh, one of them had, it, had an, uh, an eagle on it soaring and it said, make it happen. And then underneath it said, some people want it to happen, some wish it would happen, others make it happen. Make it happen, right? And then there's one that was a kayaker, and it said, excellence. Some excel because they are destined to, most excel because they are determined to. Right, man? I'm getting motivated, you know, reading these things. And then there was another one that showed a picture of the Grand Canyon. It said, perseverance. In the confrontation between the rivers and the rock, the river always wins, not through strength, but by perseverance. I mean, it's like, yes, you know? Maybe you, you bought one of these. Maybe you have them hanging in your home, uh, maybe in your office or something like that, or saw it at the dentist's office. Who knows? But, you know, not very long after this store opened, um, a kiosk opened not far from the store. And uh, it was kind of the kiosk for the cynics, let's just say, okay? The cynic kiosk of these things. And so picture the same like, kind of pictures with the heading and then a proverbial quote. Uh, one of them was a guy that had just lost a race, you know, double face palm. And it said, failure. When your best isn't good enough. You know, and there's another one, a rainbow, and it says, dreams. Dreams are like rainbows. Only idiots chase them. <laughs> my favorite one was this car headed towards a tornado. And it said, perseverance. The courage to ignore the obvious wisdom of turning back. You know, the truth is, when you read this passage in Ecclesiastes, it feels like you are reading those demotivational kind of quotes. It really is a section in this book that questions the ability of proverbial wisdom of these nice quotes to answer some of the difficulties we face in life. It's questioning proverbial wisdom's ability to answer some of the difficulties we face in life. My hope for you, as we talk about it this afternoon as we look closely at this passage, that we would see that even in the sad, hard, and confusing places, wisdom can be found and the crooked things of life can be made straight. So I'm going to repeat it one more time. My hope in reading this passage is that when we look at the sad, hard, confusing places we might see wisdom. And in it, we would see the way that the crooked becomes straight. So let's look together, shall we? Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 1 through 22. It's on page 556 of your little, like these, what color is that? We're going to say mustard? Golden? Okay, yeah, yeah. 
goldenrod. Nice, the goldenrod. So let's follow along as we look at God's word. Chapter 7, verses 1 through 22. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. In my vain life, I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous, and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from um, that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take take to heart all the things that people say lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. The word of the Lord. Let me pray quick. God, I pray that you would help us see your wisdom through these Ecclesiastes Proverbs. And God, I pray that uh, we would be a people that would see past maybe just proverbial wisdom and see your truth. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, if you're just joining us, we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's really a quest, a quest for meaning. And it's a quest for meaning by this guy named Koheleth. He's a wise man, a king. He has so many things, and he takes us along in his journey of acquiring things and finding meaning in them, if he can find meaning in them. And so in his journey, he's taken us on a quest for pleasure. Then a quest through work, and through money, and through seeking wisdom. He's taken us all over, and he's gone to life to this greater, greatest extent because he's been able to conquer basically everything. But this is what we find out through his quest. He says it is all hevel. Hevel. 
That's a Hebrew word that we translate vanity. Some will translate it meaningless. I like the actual meaning of the word. Hevel means vapor. Life is like smoke. (laughs) It's like a vapor. When you try to find meaning in it and you grasp at it, it just goes through your fingers. And that is what Koheleth is finding. In trying to find meaning in life under the sun, in just the material world, in all that we just see, there is no meaning. It is meaningless. It is vanity. Now he takes us on a crazy journey. A journey through proverbial sayings. Now it's fitting that a guy that is a Hebrew would take us through the Proverbs. If you don't know this, Proverbs is also one of the wisdom books before Ecclesiastes. And the Proverbs are sayings to say, how do we live life? How do we live in wisdom? And that is what he is using these Proverbs, but he uses it in a different way. I say it's kind of Ecclesiastes Proverbs, if you will. But he uses the same kind of ideas that we see in Proverbs. Parallelism, contrast, better than, to compare and show the way we should apply wisdom to our life and avoid folly. Now, you might think we're pretty far away from proverbial wisdom in our age Maybe some of you have memorized some of the Proverbs, but most of us, if I asked you, say a proverb off the top of your head, we probably couldn't think of one or we don't have one memorized. But I still think we live in a proverbial age. It's not found so much in reading the Proverbs, but it's found on bumper stickers, right? Those are the Proverbs of our age. Here's one bumper sticker that I saw recently. Get involved. The world is run by those who show up. And you go, yeah. I I can dig that. Or maybe song lyrics, right? Things that we just recite, choruses that tell us about the meaning of life or what is valued. Here's one. Live for you and you live in vain. Live for others, you will live again. Bob Marley. I mean, come on. Talk about a guy that knows Proverbs is Bob Marley, right? Then also we find it on Facebook posts. Maybe you see this, people put on their banners and and they put like, really balloons behind it or like some setting that's really pretty and it's just wise proverbial saying that they post. One I saw recently says, life is not about being rich, being popular, being highly educated or being perfect. It is about being real, being humble and being kind. I I feel my heart is warming by reading that right now. I just feel good. But then comes along Koheleth, the ultimate downer, okay? If you read any book in the Bible that's a downer, it's probably Ecclesiastes. And he is saying this, guess what? Your proverbial sayings, your great words of wisdom, they don't always work. They don't always work. He says this in in verse 15. Do you know what he says? He says, look, I have seen people that have followed the Proverbs, that have followed wisdom, righteous people, and you know what they've gotten? Not a good life. And I've seen wicked people, and I've seen them prosper. So the question is, do our little sayings at the inspiration store or on bumper stickers or whatever it might be, do they hold up to the injustice of the world? 
to the ugliness we've experienced, to the crookedness we see in this place, can they hold up? The truth is, it's kind of what makes those demotivational sayings so funny. The saying, failure, when your best doesn't cut it. The reason it's so funny, because guess what? It's sometimes true. See, these Proverbs... These Ecclesiastes Proverbs, they make us think. They're the kind of Proverbs like I saw on another bumper sticker that said, what if the hokey pokey is what it is all about? It's those kind of Proverbs. So let's look, shall we? Verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment. It is starting off great. It's like reading the Proverbs, seeing this first sentence. It's so... You know, the imagery is great. It's the idea that precious ointment, which has a great aroma, that is valuable, that probably costs a lot of money, is not as good as a good name, integrity, right? Being a person that has character. Who cares if you have wealth and power? What is the most valuable, even more valuable than precious ointment is good character. But then he just shifts And it's crazy. Look what he says in the parallelism of this Proverbs, verse 1. And the day of death than the day of birth. Okay, you know what's so ironic about this second part is what good is a good name and reputation if you're dead? Koheleth now spends four more verses talking about death to get our attention. See, he shocks us right at the beginning to show, I'm going to give you Proverbs that wake you up, that make you think. Now, I don't think that Koheleth is saying it's better to be dead. I think he's saying the day of death is a better teacher than the day of birth. So I saw my new nephew just last week, just born. What do you say when you see a baby, right? There's not a lot to say, right? He's cute. He looks like mom or looks like dad, even though you can't really tell, but you want to say something. You say, I'm glad he drools. That's cool. I mean, you don't say much at birth. But when you're 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, there's enough of your life to say something. At a funeral, there is something you can say about someone's life because they have lived it. You see, you see a lot more at death about how someone has lived than at birth. Verse 2, it goes on, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. I, 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 this is, again, how many of you would rather go to a funeral than a birthday? Don't raise your hands, because maybe people don't want to hang out with you then, I don't know. But... I don't think many of us probably do would rather go to a funeral than to a birthday. But here Koheleth is saying, guess what? Maybe the wisdom that you gain at a funeral is more wisdom that you would gain of all the birthday parties you attended throughout your whole life. See, I I don't know about you, if you've been to funerals lately, I I, I have. 
And I know some of us can feel like, man, this is so grim. I'm in this place, it's a funeral home. I see a coffin before me. I just want to get outside. I want to see the sunshine. Just get me out of this place. See, I don't think that's a wise answer. I think that's a foolish answer. The wise person looks at the coffin and realizes it will one day be my turn. And they take inventory on their life. See, there's no number of Jimmy Buffett lyrics. Live by the beach, drink margaritas, or Bob Marley lyrics, or whatever proverbial sayings you might cling to in song or bumper stickers that can solve this problem, the problem of death. Verse 3 is probably as shocking then as it is now. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. You know, here saying that maybe maybe sorrow, maybe this state of being sad is a good place to be. Instead of hiding behind happiness and laughter or taking death and the hard things and just shoving it under and putting a laugh track over our lives, maybe that is not the way that we can really grow as people. That maybe the answer is not just laughter, But maybe the answer is in sorrow that we can gain true wisdom. I love what Jesus says in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. See, there's something that sometimes people with sadness and mourning have. They see that there is something better coming. John MacArthur, you might know John. I don't quote John MacArthur a lot. He's a shocking kind of guy at times and says things are, that are shocking. He would fit well into these proverbial Ecclesiastes things. He said this. He said, the only way you are living your best life now is if you're going to hell. I'll say it again so it clicks. The only way you are living your best life now is if you are going to hell. See, that's what Koheleth is saying. If he says, he says, you just think life is what is under the sun, it's just all that is right here, that you've got to gain as much as you can, just laugh it off, just make it fun, or whatever it might be, and this is all I can get because this is my best life. Guess what? You're living a lie. You're living like there is nothing greater later. I hope there's some pushback. I know if my roommate was here in college, he wasn't a Christian, and I always kind of put him in a seat right next to me when I'm preaching a sermon, what he would say to my statements. And I think what he would say is, Aha, I see it again, Christian. Escapism. That's what you do as Christians. Pie in the sky, heaven. Just, you can just look forward to that. Instead of living for life now, doing stuff now, you just look forward to heaven, heaven, heaven. This is what I might say to my roommate, and maybe I'll say it to you. 
that you might be questioning this too. I think if, as Christians, if we mourn well, if we are sad, that shows that we are not escaping this world. Instead, we're looking at this world as it truly is. It is broken. It is sad. There is death. We don't sweep it under the rug. We don't put people in nursing homes and say, oh, I don't want to look at that. We don't avoid funerals. We look at them head on. I've used this before, but I think it's really powerful. You know, the early church, why did it grow so much in the Roman Empire? You know, the reason that the pagans got the name pagan is because they were people that ran to the countryside when there were diseases, when the plagues um, went against the Roman Empire. Do you know who stayed in the cities and looked at death in the face and looked at the sick and carried their sorrow? It was the Christians. It's part of the reason Christianity grew so rapidly in the Roman Empire. Because they stayed and healed and nursed the sick back to life. Verse 4. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fool is in the house of mirth. I love Walker Percy. Maybe Bill's my only guy that knows who Walker Percy is, a southern guy. Great writer of the 20th century. Written some great books. But Walker Percy, he's an Ecclesiastes kind of guy. He's a Kierkegaard, existential kind of guy. And this is what he says. It's a longer quote, so please try to pay attention as I read it. But it's very powerful. The unbelieving person is crazy because he finds himself born into a world of endless wonders, having no notion how he got here. A world in which he eats, sleeps, works, grows old, gets sick, and dies. He takes his comfort and ease, playing along with the game. He watches TV, he drinks his drink, he laughs. But for all the world, he does this. All his pleasure, as if his prostrate, prostate were not growing cancerous. His arteries not turning to chalk. His brain cells dying by the millions. As if these things were not going to have him in no time at all. But then, hanging on the edge of a precipice, engulfed by terror, is that not the time or place to learn about emergency rock climbing procedures? No, it's not. You have to learn about them before you start the expedition. Likewise, we have to start learning about death now, while we are still healthy, before we are blinded by denial and fighting valiantly for hope. I got this card this week. A card from Carol Marker. This is a, a picture of, of Bruce Marker. You might not know who Bruce Marker is. Bruce was an elder in our church, Emmaus Road, and he died just two weeks ago. And the picture is of Bruce, and he has a staff in his hand, very Moses-esque. And he's looking down, and 
there's these rocks and these waters. It's all torrent down there. Now I think of someone that looked death in the face and didn't just say, oh, it might come one day. He said, it, it will come one day. I remember sitting in his living room with his community group before he was going to start chemotherapy. And I remember him saying to us as we prayed for him as a community group, God knows my days. God knows what will happen. I trust in him, and I have hope. You see, there is wisdom. Wisdom in the sad place. So that you might number your days and know how to live. Well, wisdom in the sad place, and then there's wisdom in the hard place. Look with me in verses 7 through 10. Here, Kohela says, people talk a big game about Proverbs, but they live in a broken world. And it's easy when the pressure comes from the world to escape, to run from wisdom. And here he shows four ways we escape true wisdom. And the four ways are ease, impatience, anger, and nostalgia. Look with me, verse 7. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Here he says again, a king, a great ruler, he could be wonderful and amazing, but a bribe and money comes along, and that will become corrupt. His heart will be changed. In the same way, someone might be wise, but then oppression comes upon them. And then upon oppression, the wisdom just gets thrown out the window. I wonder, if you think you're a pious and righteous person, would you still do the proverbial right thing, the wise thing, when things get hard? I might be dating myself. Um, the movie Trading Places, a 1980s movie, Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy. None of you kids probably have seen this. But really, it, it tried to answer that question that Coel says. Here, Eddie Murphy was down and out, and Dan Aykroyd was a successful lawyer, and two guys said, you know what? I'll make a bet. The bet is, if you put pressure on Dan Aykroyd, his character, he'll act just the way that Eddie Murphy does. And if you give Eddie Murphy good things, then he'll act like Dan Aykroyd did. You have to see the movie to find out. But it does ask a good question of us. Are you truly wise? When we're pressed, we really see. We can stand in front of others and say, I am going to be committed in my marriage. I am going to be faithful in my vows. But when it's hard, are we faithful? We might say, I'm generous and I give to others, but when money is tight, does generosity end? We might say, I love my kids, I hold them in the service, or sing songs to them, or whatever it might be, but when they're yelling in the back of the car, are those same songs being sung back to them? Verse 8 Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. 
I told Emmaus Road that was the proverb for our softball team that lost all the games in the beginning but won the last two games. The point is that at the beginning, it all looks good. In the beginning of the season of our softball team, we said, we're undefeated. Here we go. And you could see four games of losing in a row, people were starting to get a little chippy. You know, it does beg the question. On a wedding day where we make vows, as we start a church plant and have so much hope, will we escape it in the long run? Will we not be patient and see that we can see more at the end of things of what wisdom is and where our character is? See, wisdom is not abandoning when it gets hard. It's the ability to be molded and be patient. You can't see much at the beginning, but you can see where true wisdom is and where people are standing at the end. Verse 9, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. I think one of the easiest ways to see if we truly trust God is to see how angry we get when we don't get our way. When we can't find the keys. (laughs) When our kids don't act the way we want them to. When the paycheck didn't give out as much as we wanted. What is our response when we don't get our way? How do we act? Are we quick to anger? See, Koheleth is saying, the person that is wise... He is one that when it gets hard and difficult, he does not turn to anger right away. Verse 10, we're doing good. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. The last way to escape wisdom is nostalgia. (laughs) Oh, if I only lived now like when I was a kid. If every day was just like Christmas, if I could just have a vacation like I did last year, like that every day now, if only America was like it was in the 1950s. I love what C.S. Lewis says about nostalgia. He says, You were longing for the past, but the past was never as good as your mind was telling you. If you went back to that place, you realize there were faults there. If you went back to your childhood, you'd realize my parents might argue. If you went back to Christmas, you realize you didn't get the gift you wanted. You realize that even in those moments, there was brokenness. But the good news about that longing is that it shows a desire in the deepest recesses of our heart that says... I long for something the way it should be. It can be found in the beauty of God. So, wisdom, found in the sad place, found in the hard place. But the last thing is, can it be found in the confusing place? See, now Koheleth, he's given up his Proverbs, and now he's just talking in prose. 
And he realizes this is how life has turned out. And again, like I said before, he notices the righteous, the ones that abide by Proverbs, they don't do well at times. And the wicked, they do well. And he's just frustrated. And then he gives away, well, forget it then. The answer then is moderation. Everything in moderation. Don't be too righteous. Don't be too foolish. Just everything in moderation. Um, I don't know uh, any of you, but I hear that a lot. That's the way to live. (laughs) You know, oh, don't be too serious about Christianity. Life doesn't turn out the way I want to. Just everything in moderation. Maybe you have that view yourself. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but the Christian worldview, the message of the Bible, is not a message that says everything in moderation. (laughs) Um, Lying in moderation. Disobedience to my parents in moderation, right? You can get away with that, right, if you live by moderation. Adultery in moderation. Pornography in moderation. Murder, stealing in moderation. No, See, Koheleth answers the question in verse 18 about moderation. It is good that you should take hold of this. And from that, withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. I think what Koheleth is saying is there are two equal and opposite errors. One error is a life of license and folly. The other error is a life of self-righteousness. He says that both of these, self-righteousness, legalism, and license, are both ways to avoid God and put it on yourself rather than going to Him and fearing Him. He says, fear God, meaning stand in awe of Him. Let Him direct you. That is the way of wisdom. That is the way to deal with life in a confusing place. Even when it seems like the Proverbs are not working out. Let me land the plane to use an EAA illustration, right? EAA, land the plane. I missed one crucial verse. It stands in the middle of this whole section. I think it holds it all together. It's verse 13. It says, Consider the work of God. If you've been reading Ecclesiastes, you realize that's the same language that he uses at the beginning of the book. Consider the work of God. And at the end of the book. So he's trying to get our attention. And now he's asking us a question. So if you've checked out this whole time, here it is. Consider, he says. Consider the work of God. He says this, who can make straight what he has made crooked? This is a great question. In the sad place, in death, in sorrow, no bumper sticker, no pithy words, no inspiration quotes can give answers. In the hard place, when we are pressed, 
No matter how much we might cling to our Facebook post, I should live this way, it's just hard to. In the confusing places, you just can't make heads or tails of life, let alone being thinking about a statement that you might have found on a lyric of a song, that that's the way you should live. Who can make what is crooked, all these hard things in life, death, money problems, confusion, who can make all of those things straight? You see that Koheleth has given us some answers. He says, in death, you can find meaning. In steadfastness, over escapism, you can find wisdom. In the fear of God, over moderation, you can find hope. But the truth is, when we look at his form of wisdom, it looks really foolish. Who lived that way? To say, in the midst of death, I can find hope. In the hard place, I can find, um, I can find steadfastness. In, in the confusing place, I can find the fear of God. Who actually lives that way? Who actually does those things? I'm just going to say Jesus, right? Is that the right answer? Jesus, right? Everyone's supposed to say that? Jesus. I'm not going to give Jesus the answer right now, okay? How about Mary? Remember Mary? You know what Mary did? A very foolish thing. She took this basically ointment or like embalming fluid that was worth a lot of money. And she poured it over a living person, Jesus. She poured this symbol of death over Jesus who was alive. And the people that were there watching this happen, they criticized her, but she went with it. And she didn't just do it in moderation, did she? She did all of it. Who knows how much money it was worth? Probably a ton of money. And what did the people say that watched her do this foolish thing? Mary, you could have used this to help the poor. Why did you do this? Why did you pour this funeral spice on a man alive? Something so expensive. Why did you do this? Hopefully people might, I hope people, might say the same thing about you. Why do you give your life to this man, Christ? Why do you come to church on Sunday afternoon? Why do you give money to something like this? Why do you sit here and hear readings and sing songs and do all these things when you could be playing outside, you could be doing something else? Why do you do this? I think the answer is found in verse 13. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? You see, there is one that took something as sad and as hard and as confusing, and as crooked as the cross, and he made it straight. And if our God can take that figure that is so 
foolish to the world. And through that, he can rise from the dead. Can he not take our sadness? Can he not take our hard places? Can he not take our confusion, the crooked things, and make it straight? It does give new meaning to the First Corinthians passage you read, right? <laughs> Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. I love it. After Jesus corrects those that are lambasting Mary, he says something he said about nothing else in the Gospels. He says, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the, the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. My hope, I hope Josh's hope too, is that people would look at you and say, there is someone that lives foolishly but I tell you, their crooked life has been made straight through Christ. It might be foolish to the world, but it's wise to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these proverbs of Ecclesiastes that hit us strong, that uh, give us statements that might wake us up. But I hope through these hard sayings that we might see that you have made what is crooked straight. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.